<laughs> oh, I can hardly wait. Oh, it's so exciting to be on the radio. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> There's a letter here. says, last night, Shepard, you were hilarious. Saturday morning, you were very scholarly. And then she goes on to contradict herself completely. She says, youth is so knowledgeable. Who are you talking about, honey? What's this business? When was I scholarly? Oh, it's terrible. What do you mean, hilarious? This is a serious attempt to get at the basic problems that face mankind. Mankind. Hey, by the way, speaking of the basic problems that face mankind, and I, you know, I have this little department that I, I continually run here, which I put into my great vast file of pretty hello, test, hello, oh, that's better, isn't it? Hello, test, hello, test, listen to Shepherd by God, listen to that. Now, I have this uh, thing that I keep in my uh, vast file of trivia, and that is commercials I want to follow up after watching. Really? You, you have a little one like that yourself? Have you noticed this one where these this, this poor innocent guy, he's obviously spent, you know, he's obviously spent $12 million and his whole life has been directed at taking this great vacation, which finally he and his wife are going to spend on Hawaii. Have you seen that one? The guy gets off the plane or the ship or whatever it is, and he's with his wife, and there's beautiful Hawaii, you know, that you can see the palm trees going back and forth, and you hear, doo, 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 you know, it's beautiful Hawaii, and this Hawaiian chick comes running up, and she puts this lei around his neck, and she says, Oh, ring around the collar, ring around the collar, ring around the collar. Once again, the tragedy of mankind being rejected by his fellow man. Oh, where is love today? Lost and gone. Oh, where? Oh, hello, Test. Oh, hello, 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 hello Test. Reset Beatty there. Reset Ludwig. Yes, and I saw that commercial scene. She's singing, ring around the collar, ring around the collar. Oh, I wanted to hit that baby right in the mouth. Right in the ding-dong, I'd like to give her a shot. That poor guy. It was bad enough when, remember that lady, that every time she'd open the, the drawer of her bureau there, you'd hear, ring around the collar, ring around the Mum, 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 mum. Of course, you know, we got a lot of things we have to face here these days. There's no doubt about it. We're all part of it, friends. All part of this vast melange of whatever it is that's going on. Like tonight, I think we ought to honor George Plimpton. After all, this is the age of pretending, right? And uh, I, I, th I wonder how many people realize. And I wonder how he, if he, somewhere up there in that great vast heaven, that Valhalla, where writers go when their day is done on this earth, I wonder how James Thurber, how Jim Thurber feels. He created the whole thing, you know. I mean, you know, Walter Mitty. He created Walter Mitty, and old Walter's standing around the street corner there, remember, imagining he's all this stuff. And uh, now it's come to pass, and Walter Mitty's the top leading light of our time, pretending everything, of course. And I see that George is now going to pretend he's going to shoot a lion. Did you read that one? Yeah, it's very exciting, pretending that. Of course, he's already pretended that he was a Detroit Lion. And uh, you notice all the position he plays, every position he pretends he plays, is a position where it is almost impossible to get clobbered at. Realize that, of course. You get down and you throw two passes for the Detroit Lions. You just got to get that ball, throw it real quick, see, and nine guys stand in front of you and block out for you. It's not, not hard to get hit, you know. And uh, you notice that he did not pretend to be a defensive tackle? <laughs> 
That's another ball game. Another ball game. He pretended he played golf, and he pretended he was a pitcher. I noticed he didn't pretend he was a third baseman. Yes, sir. Yes, George Plimpton plays third against Frank Robinson, swinging a heavy back. He's playing third against Brooks Robinson, who's known to belt him down that third baseline like a white bullet. And there he is. George moves in fast. It's a hard shot down the third baseline. There, it takes a bad hop, and he's down. He's down, folks. Uh, <laughs> that would be a great show. I'm sorry. Pretended he was a cymbal player. You notice he didn't pretend he was the first first violinist where you can really get shot down if you're in an orchestra, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's... Uh, that's I, I must say, uh, one thing about him, though. He's, uh, I, it's got to come. It's got to come. I mean, he's always playing a sport where already they need, you know, they need publicity. So, you know, that gets a big... So it has to come. What, 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 uh, what uh, institution of our time is in trouble, really? Right, the church, huh? Right. Can't you just see the day when the NBC announces a new special? George Plimpton is Pope for a day. Yes, you've seen George Plimpton play quarterback for the Detroit Lions. You've seen him pitch for the Yankees. You've seen him place the cymbals with the NBC Symphony. And now watch George as he blesses the pilgrims who come to the Vatican. Watch George as he makes an interdiction. Watch George as he plays Pope for a day. All the excitement of the costume, the uniforms, the medieval glory and pageantry of the church will be yours as seen through the eyes of lovable George Plimpton. See George Plimpton address the College of Cardinals. See George Plimpton as he blesses the multitude on Palm Sunday. See George Plimpton as he makes an announcement in Latin denouncing man's inhumanity. Yes, a special NBC program brought to you as a public service. George Plimpton is Pope for a day. I could just see three ages. My God, what an idea! Oh, that's great. Get George on the phone. That's fantastic. How do you like that? <laughs> you like my idea about uh, George playing pro for the day? You know, it's got to come. It's got to come. Just think of the publicity and everybody can love it. Dee, dee, dee. Well, of course, uh, some things you can pretend and other things. It's just, you know, bad news. George Plimpton plays Undertaker for a day. Dee, dee, dee. <laughs> As he presides over... Well, uh, of course, uh, this that's all part of the uh, thing that's going today. Almost every... You know, I just came back from Los Angeles. I guess that's why I've been thinking about that. You know, you can walk along Los Angeles, any given street, particularly along Sunset, any of those places, and in five minutes you can see more costumes of past ages go past you, future ages, past ages. And no wonder everybody's having trouble trying to figure out any, you know, what his identity is, what century you live in. Oh, yeah. I sat, uh, you know, it's the newest thing out there is to dress like a nun. But, yeah, that's a whole new bet. Yeah, it's considered very hip. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's true. Now, it sounds like I'm, you know, Shepherd's being rotten again. But I'm just telling you the truth. And I, I went to this restaurant with this guy, and there were three ladies sitting over there, see, all dressed in nun-type habits, see, but very hip-looking habits. And they had crosses and all that stuff. And I said, I said to my friend, I said, gee, that's interesting, you know, these... 
nuns coming to a swinging place like that, you know, you can smell pot smoke come out of the kitchen, you know, and everything. Once in a while, a, a high-pitched giggle would come out of the men's room. Better be careful about some, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sitting there seeing this. He said, what do you mean? We're, we're nuns? I said, yeah, over there. He said, well, ain't the nuns? He says, that's a nuns. That's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of chicks around town here. That's a new thing, man. Uh, this is W.O. No, I, this is too early, isn't it? Too early. We have, uh, let's see, yeah. Oh, that, let's see. We have an important announcement here for you. Savers, did you get a dividend credit to your account, your savings account, on the 31st of January? No? Well, you would have if you were a depositor at the Providence Savings Bank in Jersey City. It's the oldest savings bank in New Jersey. Because all Providence Savings Bank savers get their 5% a year dividend posted to their account on the last day of the month, and that means every month, 12 times a year. It's a 5% a year from day of deposit, which incidentally is the highest dividend rate allowed by law. And so that's how, you know, you just, your account grows. You don't have to wait for the end of a six-month period or even a quarterly period for your dividends. So if you'd like to get in on this and find out about it, by the way, there are over 82,000 Provident savers from all over the USA, and they know that Provident has not missed a dividend paying in 132 years. So get on the shtick there. Ask for Provident Savings Bank Postage Free Bank-by-Mail Kit. It's a great kit. Just write Provident, and it says name of personality. That's me, Shepard, W-O-R, New York, 10018. That's Provident, W-O-R, New York. And you can call them. You know, their, their phones are open. They're ready to send you that bank-by-mail kit right now. Give them a call at MU26800. Operators are standing by. MU200. No, MU26800. And they're a member of the FDIC. Okay. Now I can say it. It is WOR, New York. Wow. Oh, we just got a call from George Plumpton's agent saying, Would I like to play what? Oh, no, no, I don't have the bishop quality. I, I, I'm i a simple little humble parish priest, me. You know, working down here among the simple folk. Yes, with my sackcloth and ashes. If you will, Herbert, I think a little note of, uh, of quiet contemplation now. Do you have it set up there for me? A little note of quiet contemplation as I contemplate the infinite. And uh, wondering, you know, who's going to pretend what next? Have you had a, have you had the the vague suspicion that everybody's pretending he's everything anyway? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, is Nixon a real president? Or you know, does he go home at night and say to his wife, "Boy, I pulled it off again," you know? Boy, it's great, uh, just really great. You know, I've got them all. I mean, they all really, I really look like one, especially with that dark suit on. You know, a little quiet music there. Yes. Marching forward, mankind, marching, 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 always hoping, building pyramids, erecting great, great statues. First it's the Leaning Tower of Pizza, and then it's the Sphinx. And all the while, the quiet lily pad bobs up and down on the limpid stream of yon polluted river. Yes, and underneath that polluted stream, deep down there among the old tin cans and the Sinclair oil drums... You will notice the lowly carp. We're just playing it cool and close to the best. Yes, he's been living on pollution all of his life, and he loves it. He just drinks it in there, man, and that makes him fatter and fatter and fatter. So tonight, we thought we'd salute not only George Plimpton, but the lowly carp. Carp. Two carp. 
Uh, look it up in your dictionary. Two carp, it has several meanings. Two carp, he carp, he was a carp, he caught a carp. C-A-R-P, as in, uh, as in, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, as in, uh, <clears throat> Poindexter, bring it up. You know who he was. He, he, he was a general who lost a terrible battle just outside of, uh, no, where was it? Yes, that's right. It was just outside of Lexington, Massachusetts, General Poindexter. And by the way, he got shot running away from the battle. And they got him in a very embarrassing spot in a 250-pound uniform, beautiful uniform. I've already made the station break. Have to do it again for Jerry? Oh, why doesn't he come in and do it himself? That's Jerry all the time. I wonder if he says that to John Gambling. I doubt it. Poor Jerry. Like hell you do, Fred. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get back to your hot plate, friend. And I want that medium rare. I'm flinging the gallet right in his mug. Hold it there. That's enough. That's enough. That's kind of nice, wasn't it? I mean, you know, floating on a, <laughs> on a limpid pool like that. Well, tonight uh, I'm I'm slugging away there, and uh, oh yeah, I bet the I bet the, you know about every third night when I throw a thing out here, I, th I often throw a thing out on the air just to get the other ones going. See, yeah, I got a letter from a kid the other night. He said he said Shepard, remember I did the thing about Ro New Rochelle High, that whole thing about how they had their enforced uh, pep sessions for the football team and all that. Remember that? Well, you must have been here that night, but I did it. And uh, he said the next day, 500 reporters from Life showed up. He said, you know, he noticed they never showed up until it was on your show. He said, <laughs> that's why Life's in trouble. This is WOR New York, Jerry. Go on, sit down, for God's sakes, will you? I love you so. I feel very self-indulgent. The one great thing about a rainy, cold winter night is that you can be sure very few people are listening. Very few. And I like that. I like that. Well, I'll tell you, I, I was out in the rain. See, it's raining here in New York. It's really driving down. Real driving rain, see. And I'm slogging through the rain, and I'm thinking where all those beautiful people are. By the way, I'd, I'd hate to say this. Um, you know, I, I just just occurred to me that if George Plimpton ever did play, you know, something where he could really... Imagine Plimpton playing, a, let's say, defensive wingman uh, for <laughs> for the Canadiens. <laughs> now, you know, you can't fake that one, can you? I mean, oh, wow. And uh, you know, you can, can't you see Bobby Orr coming skating in down on him, looking real mean, you know? And he and he whips that he 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 takes that stick and he whips it back and he rifles one from the blue line and there's a flash of explosion down there you know bam there's teeth flying all over the place and the show goes off the air it's replaced by a rerun of I Love Jeannie and uh, they said that it was a very interesting try but that uh, George was out there all right and uh, I can see them announcing the next day at P J Clark's where things like this are taken seriously it says that George Prompton will be out for the rest of the literary season due to the fact that he got tangled up with a puck last night at the garden. However, uh, it's uh, unfortunate he's going to have to miss Gloria Steinem's party next week. 
He will have to miss the uh, thing at the Normie Mailer's house. However, he hopes to be back in shape for the big thing that Jimmy Baldwin is throwing over at Downey's. But uh, <laughs> due to the fractured pelvis, however, he will stick strictly to pretending that he's Bobby Fisher next week. Anybody who's ever played, ever actually played one of those games finds those performances, uh, well, I'd say they, they have a close relationship to Winnie the Pooh. I mean, have you, have you had a feeling in a, that Faye, the Faye the fay thing is very much part of our time? Well, not Twiggy is Faye. You know what I mean by Faye? Ipsy Pooh. Well, yeah, yeah. The Faye, the Faye appeals to certain people. Faye, spell, spell it out there, friend. Try it. Roll it over your tongue. Faye. That's F-A-Y. I'm not speaking O-Faye. I said Faye. Well, of course, that's another, that's another definition, but nevertheless, uh, the Faye thing is a big deal, you know, especially big over PJs. They like that kind of thing. That's, uh, it's it's uh, almost the, uh, the uh, end uh, result of, uh, let's put it this way, it's the dying gasp of an old art form called camp, you know, and uh, it is, you know. So uh, it, 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 the Faye is very important only in the, in the time when the Faye is very, very big. Could uh, people take Snoopy seriously, you know? Well, that's Faye, you know, this dog pretending that he uh, <laughs> plays goalie for the Red Wings or whatever, after the Red Baron and all that stuff. That's the Faye world. And uh, you get a, you get a sweatshirt. It has one of these little smiling faces on it, you know, a little moon face. And, and uh, you can Faye yourself all up, you know, up and down the street there, whooping and hollering, wearing them pink shoes. And Of course, the, the, <laughs> the, whole, the whole world of Faye is a special world. And there are those who do, and there are those who don't. And then the do do, and them that don't don't. That's a good tune. Let's hear it again. Them that do do, and them that don't don't. Yeah. But do 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 do. Oh, them that do do, and them that don't don't. La da do 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 do. Fay fay fay. La da. Oh, hold it there. Hold it. Hold it. That's enough. That's enough, Herbert. That was good. It's enough. Very nice. Don't overplay your hand here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I got, I'm just looking at this list here. This sheet's got all the stuff that Walden, you know, that was written by Henry Thoreau at Walden. Listen to some of the groovy stuff. He says, direct your eye right inward, and you will find a thousand regions in your mind yet undiscovered. Travel them and be expert in home cosmography. Well, see, he blew the whole gaff by using the word that nobody knows what means. Home co- cosmography. Is that a guy that makes his pasta at home or what? says, if a man does not keep pace with his companion, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears. Let me a little music there. I'd like to step here. However measured or far away. I find it wholesome to be alone the greater part of the time. To be in company, even with the best, is soon wearisome and dissipating. I love to be alone. I never found the companion that was so companionable a solitude. Yeah. Now, there's a wet blanket. <laughs> That's enough. There's, you just imagine a guy sitting in the corner at your party saying that kind of stuff. Come on, Henry. Please. You know, uh, speaking of uh, pretending, I'm, I'm walking along, you know, struggling my way through through uh, the rain here about half an hour ago. It's really coming down. Have you ever been mousetrapped by a rainstorm? I mean, really mousetrapped. I mean... Drawn on, it's like nature is saying, "Come on, buddy, come on. You want to take him? Yeah, let's. I'll take you on. Okay, anytime. 
Well, anybody who's a pilot knows that nobody wins if you decide to take on the weather. Mm-mm-mm. No, sir, there's something big out there, right, Herb? Big and mean. Mean. Well, I'm walking along tonight, and the rain is coming down. See, and I said to myself, well, I, I like to, you know, I just felt like it. So I'm walking along 7th Avenue in a driving rain. And it's really, and then all of a sudden it stops. See, I said, well, I'm going to catch a, catch a subway or a cab or something. Of course, as you know, one of the great mysteries of uh, New York is the fantastic mystery that, uh, I, I think it has something with biology or psychobiology, which is a new study, you know. The strange, almost eerie disappearance upon the first emergence of the tiniest drop of water of every cab within a 200-mile radius. It's amazing. And, well, yes, you know, other growing creatures are very similar to this, uh, that uh, any hunter or any fisherman will tell you that rain plays a great role on uh, nature. In fact, I remember one day I'm sitting out there on a lake. Yes, you never know. See, I, I think it has something to do with the cabs. I, I never quite been... Because, you know, let's face it, we're a creature of nature, too. We're not... We're not, uh, you know, we're not created by the IBM computer. Well, no, let's put it this way. Originally, we weren't, no. And, uh, and there's a, little, a lot of things we have to give thankful for. I, I would like to give thankful tonight, uh, a little thankful nod in the direction of, a, of Adolfa Sachs. Saxa, as it's pronounced in Saxa Kohlberg. Adolfa Saxa. Have you ever heard of him? Well, you, for those of you who don't know, he lived 1810 to 1879, and uh, he died uh, in a small community outside of Brussels where there is now a beautiful statue to his memory. And Mr. Saxa invented, he was the first man to create sex as we know it today. And uh, the word in, in the Belgium, Saxa, which actually was later anglicized to sex. You know, we are the angles. We constantly allow that what other people say in our words. So uh, we anglicized it, and the word sex did not emerge in the language until after some of the cosmic discoveries of Adolfa Saxa, Saxa, S-A-X-E, which occurred just prior to the Civil War, around about uh, 1850-51. And uh, his experiments, which were conducted in a haystack outside of Brussels, are today commemorated in the statue. As a, well, see, before that time, oh, there was, of course, uh, reproduction. No, I'm serious, there was. We, uh, we understand there must have been. There was. After all, there were all those pharaohs and all that stuff. They had to come from somewhere. But that the, the concept of sex had never emerged. And uh, so we have to give thankful for a few things, thankful nods. So tonight I would like to do that. And uh, as I walked through the rain, and the rain was driving down on me, I thought about him. And uh, I do, you know, when we, you know, we people who think in terms of abstract concepts, you know, we in media, <laughs> we have people in media, we do these things. Uh, you know, our mind drifts off, we think these great concepts. And I'm thinking of the statue of Adolphus Saxa there standing in the rain in his town outside of Brussels tonight. And very few people even know what he did for him. All the while they're yipping and hollering and singing and going in and out of those wild-looking movies on 42nd Street, you know, in those places where it says adult at last uncut. And, uh, yeah, they're crowding in to see that stuff, and it all goes back to Mr. Saxa, who invented the concept that we now find is, where would our literature be without him? Nothing. It would be just nothing. Dry shards. It's <laughs> a good phrase, isn't it? Dry shards, wisps of unleavened, unleavened bread, nothing but crust, no body, 
shards. Well, well, actually, that doesn't really mean what a shard. A shard is more than that, really. Shard. You know what is it, a shard? That's those Greek shoes. You know, they make out of goat hide. You've seen them. They're not good in the rain, but they're kind of good to bring back and give to other people. Don't try to wear them, though. They're no good. But uh, this, we're way off the subject here, because uh, as I'm walking through the rain there, see, and I'm thinking of Adolphus Saxon, I'm thinking of of uh, George Plimpton paying, you know, making a, playing the big play. I mean, after all, it's one thing to play quarterback for a losing ball club, and another thing to, uh, you know, step into the big shoes, really walk all the way up to the top there. And I'm thinking about all these great concepts. And, and I also was curious about how come all the, all the uh, cabs suddenly disappeared. They were gone. Nothing. Nothing on the street. A couple of other struggling wayfarers, struggling battlers. And you know, say one thing about New York. Of course, New Yorkers are very worried about weather. No city is more concerned over weather than New York. And paradoxically, no city, to my knowledge, has less of it. Very little weather ever hits New York. Hardly any snow. We haven't snow all year, you know. No snow. And yet New Yorkers are deadly afraid of it. They talk for hours about the weather, and nothing's happening. I know one station that has used the same weather report on tape now for six months. They just keep playing it over and over. Makes no difference. Just the same thing. And uh, yet we're very interested in it. Now, of course, the biological impact of weather upon the human organism... I think, is a very uh, very deep study. It's not yet been scratched. A surface, that is. <laughs> and uh, I uh, was walking along there, and I noticed, of course, with my great rapid roving eye, my piercing intellectual, deeply uh, incisive eye, that uh, the, the cabs were gone again. Magically. Just like that. <laughs> Zap. Gone. Now, where do they go? Have you ever asked yourself, well, where do the cabs go when the rain comes down? That'd be a great, nice... The City Billy folk song, because we deal with real life of ordinary people. Mm. And uh, the cabs are gone completely. I was reminded of the fact that uh, in nature, rain plays a great role upon the daily walking around creature. Now, I'll give you an example for that. I was sitting in a lake one day, you know, well, I'm actually sitting in a lake. I was in a, well, in a way I was. This boat that I was in is a bad rented boat, and they often leak, and I'm sitting there with the water sloshing around my feet, and I've been out there for about three days, and I haven't had, you know, I haven't had nibble one, and I've cast in everything. See, I'm after the Wiley Bass. Remember Wiley? He used to have that rock group, great group. And, uh, yeah, of course he got all tangled up with William Morris. <laughs> William Morris and the MCAs, that'd be kind of a good swinging rock group. That You know, a little chauvinism there never hurts anybody. And uh, do you ever use uh, that new... Have you ever tried really fresh ground chauvinism instead of the old stuff that comes in the boxes? It's good, yeah. You grind it up with a little wooden stamper there, and it's good. You mix it with salads, especially with the... What are those little round black things you put in salads? Uh, those are not shards, no. I told you, those are Greek shoes. Uh, those little round things, uh, uh, pinots. No, what are they? They come in a jar, little round things. And then, no, no, not peppers. No, no, the little round things. Now, come on. Chives? No, 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 no. That's not a chive. <laughs> chive's an old dance form that they used to dance down the Lower East Side. Oh, they're out chiving again. You remember that? Oh, you know, that was uh, Jimmy Dorsey and all that stuff. No, 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 that's way out. You're, you're going back in time so far. The only You'd have to be a mummy to still... Have you noticed some of these... Uh, some of these records, these nostalgic records that are on, you know, they're always advertising on TV. 
to have memories brought back by some of them, you'd have to be a full-fledged mummy. I mean, really, you'd have to be 112 years old, and also a cretin at that, to have uh, to have the you know memories brought back by some turkeys that they're playing there with the accordions and all that. But <laughs> no, well, you know, I'm not uh, taking any uh, stand here. It's no point. But now, what are those things? Those little round things. Come on, now, it's bothering me because this is essential to the story. Little round things. You put them in a salad, and then once in a while they use them on hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. As uh, my father always used to think it was very funny to call them horses doovers. <laughs> that was his big joke. So, oh, horses doovers. Of course, he, that was a fake because he really didn't know how to say it. So he figured by saying it funny, everyone would laugh and he'd get by with it. And until somebody did serve him a horse's doover, and that was the end of that ball game. <laughs> and it was terrible. It wasn't even smoked. It was raw. You mind if I dance a little here? Contemplate the infinite. Yes, soft, sweet music drifting in through the air conditioner. Come, my dear, I shall fill your glass. Sit closer to me and we will talk about, yes, golden things. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't pay any attention to the strolling troubadours out the window, honey, no. Yeah, yeah we just, uh, hello, thank you. Reset that, if you will, please. Yes, sir. We've just got a uh, note here what those things are. Pinots? Oh, no, no, no. A caper is the thing they do in a Sam Spade book. Come on. What are you talking about? You've heard of the big golden glove caper and all that. I know about that. Capers, that's ridiculous. Come on, what is it? Why am I dealing constantly? Who was it? Marcel Proust. Marcel Proust, who invented that hairdo that ladies used to go and get, you know? Yeah, there's a you know you you read you read F. Scott Fitzgerald. He's always talking about Marcel jazz babies and stuff like that. Well, Proust, this Marcel Proust invented that hairdo, and he also invented a thing too, a phrase: "We shall all be undone by knaves and fools." He says, "I shall see that on my headboard, or on my uh, my uh, what is it? The thing? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's the thing he puts his boots on, a boot jack, right?" And he said, "We shall be undone by fools and knaves." And some clown called in and said, "Capers." A caper is what happens in a Travis McGee book. Yeah, I knew right away. I knew instantly that he was up to no good. I wondered what the caper was. So I hit him in the gut, I kicked him in the groin, gave him a couple of shots to the throat, two chops across the back of the neck, and I said, Tell me, now let me know what that caper is going to be. Gasping with blood squirting from his eyeballs. He said, Yeah, Sam, I'll tell you what it's about. That's what a caper is. That's kind of nice, wasn't it? Doing that well done. <laughs> they don't talk like this on two meter FM, do they? Yeah. Well, of course, the difference is talent. Thank you. Hold it there. Hold it there. I do not like rank, silly sentimentality. No, well, you know, I don't mind a little sentimentality, but it's the rank, silly sentimentality that bothers me. However, uh, I wish somebody would tell me what the... Now, now it's really bugging me what those little round things are they put in salads. <laughs> Caper. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> no, I, no, no, they're not pinto beans. Not, not, that's not the same thing. Pinto beans. Pinto beans. Yeah, I've had pinto beans. You've had them, haven't you? Cloud your glasses up with a little chili powder on that and blow the top of your head off. I've had pinto beans, friends, so... 
So mean. So mean, with the right kind of stuff in him. Boy, your soul shrivels. But, nevertheless, it's an experiment. One must search. Now, what are those little things? I see I cannot continue the story until I find out what those little things they put in salads. They also occasionally put them on the, on the liver pate, or liver pate, if you prefer. And uh, they, they put them on those little rich crackers and they hand them to you. A little, at first, when I first came to New York, they were giving me those things all the time. I thought they were soft babies. But uh, I'm not talking about... No caviar. No, 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 no. Caviar. That's ridiculous. Caviar. <laughs> uh, caviar. What is, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, there's a phrase that deals with caviar. I think it has to do with flinging caviar before the hogs. Isn't there something like that? Or is it flinging pearl onions before the hogs? I, I never could figure out the, what the meaning of that phrase was or if it had any meaning at all. But so much has no meaning, really. It's just a non sequitur. As, uh, as the late Ernie Kovacs used to put it. But uh, it is a non sequitur, and the lady's just called up and says, Shepard is right, that uh, caper is a thing that occurs in the Travis McGee book. <laughs> but she doesn't know what those little round things are. She says they keep getting caught in her teeth, too. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I've often wondered about that. You know, speaking of, uh, speaking of that, uh, I, you know, it's, it's like this friend of mine who has this thing on uh, maraschino cherries. You've had those maraschino cherries? Well, I was surprised to learn that they're not real cherries at all. They're made out of a plastic composition. That, uh, that's why they call them maraschino, invented by this Giuseppe Maraschino, who was a, he was the DuPont. Yes, we're getting another report here. I'm sorry, it's coming in then. I, I, see it. Uh, a chickpeas? No, 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 no. And I also want to say this. I do not think that obscenity plays any part in what we're dealing with. It is not... Nothing to do with what we're talking about. The chickpea is not a thing that is not certainly put in an elegant salad. It might be put in the kind of salad you go to when you get down there with that hog chitlin and them, them bone marrows. All that soul food maybe to put chickpeas on, but we're talking about uptown real food, right? With those little things with the liver pate. But I don't want to get into this. This is getting beyond the scope of the present lecture. However, tonight as I'm walking along through the rain, it's drifting down. It's dripping down around my ears. Wasn't there a song that got raindrops falling on my head? And raindrops were falling on my head. And I'm just thinking about the raindrops are falling on my head. And I noticed that there wasn't a single cab. And I thought about that time I was sitting in the lake there. You didn't think I was getting back to it, right? Oh, I'm sitting in the lake there and I'm fishing for the bass. And all of a sudden the rain comes down like that. Boom. It comes down so hard, I could hardly believe it, almost instantaneously. And I figured, I'm done. This boat is going to sink. I can't make it. And I start rowing the shore like crazy, you know. And, I, and I'm really fighting it. The rain is coming down. And just as the rain hit, bam, I get the fantastic strike. And there I am fighting about an 18-pound smallmouth bass with the rain coming down. And, uh, of course, it's ridiculous. You know, I didn't land him. I didn't, of course. He beat in the bottom of the boat, and he ran after me, and I ran up the shore, and he's nipping at my feet, and I could see the reason why. It was because the rain was coming down. And so it's quite obvious that rain does play a strong and important part in the biological drives that deal with the organism as it exists today and as it has existed throughout all the given marching centuries. As man evolved from the tiny amoeba, and as the tiny amoeba has always regretted that he never did go on and 
make it big, you know, with MCA and William Morris and form his own rock group. His man evolved from a tiny amoeba as he came out of the slime, the antediluvian slime of time gone. Lost and gone ages and eons. The era when the world was a revolving, gigantic, hot meatball of lava. Little did they suspect. Little at that time did they suspect that it would all wind up the way it has wound up. Hey, you know how it's wound up. Come on. And so, let's go, man, as we march, 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 march. Hold it, Herb. Hold it, hold it. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. It's right on the tip of my tongue. It's right on the tip of my tongue. They are, uh, are, uh, hmm. It was on the tip of my tongue, and I'm not even, you see, it's disappeared again, like so many things. Those little round things. Capers. Oh, <laughs> silly. <laughs> silly. Ridiculous. <laughs> well, I can understand the confusion, you know. It's uh, easy to understand that confusion. But uh, I would like to say, however, that as I marched through the rain tonight, it was coming down, I'm thinking of Plimpton playing the Pope and thinking how groovy it would be to watch that. And you hear these Gregorian chants. And you could get, you could get, the, say, the Led Zeppelin to, to do the Gregorian chants behind it. You know, really great. Do it up good, you know, full technical. In fact, they could even turn out an LP later. And uh, George could make a ceremonial appearance at Yankee Stadium, you know. And uh, I was thinking about that, and the rain was coming down. I wonder whether the rain was causing me to think like that, see? Whether it was just, uh, you know, due to the fact that I'm a biological, poor old biological uh, jot and the great moat in the eye of Buddha, and I'm struggling along. The rain is dripping down my ears, and I'm thinking about uh, those little round things that they put on the liver pate. Oh, yes. No, no, no. No, it is not dill. No, no, heavens, no. Dill, I know who dill. Dill is a soap, and uh, you wash with dill soap. I, 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 down there, I was in this motel, and in fact, I, I asked this guy at the motel, I said, that funny soap you got there, and it's down, down in Chicopee, Mississippi, and I, on, on, on the road, you know, it's funny. I did bring up the subject of dill, and I said, I said to him, I said, what's this funny soap you got here? It's got this hexachloropini in it. And he said, hexachloropenia was dill soap. He said, you know, you see that TV. He says, be sure and use dill soap. So I said, oh, yeah. So if you're confused, it's not. I don't think many people put dill in their salads. Not that kind of dill anyway. And I, uh, that's not what I'm talking. Dill isn't little round things anyway. If I, if I remember correctly, dill are little like pieces of black wire. But uh, that's not what I'm talking about. And I don't want to be disturbed here because I'm thinking a great thought. It's, it's coming. In the, it's just coming. I can almost see it there. I can reach out and feel it. It's like a great big cheesecake coming out of out of the great great void. I can see it. I, there it is. It's coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see it now. It's it's coming. It's very clean now. Oh, doggone it. It went away again. Doggone it. All them flags flying, them horns blowing, bugles blowing, blatting away. There it goes. I just about had that idea right in my grasp, and it's gone again. I'll, I'll get it, though. Yeah, I remember that guy. He says to me, he says, you know, you, what you do, he says, that hexychloropene stuff, he said, put it in that dill soap. You, you did dill soap. And I think he said, you take a shower with that stuff, and he says, it, it'll make, uh, it'll give you 24-hour protection. I said, against what? He said, well, he don't say, he said, actually. He said, but it ain't the kind of protection you think, he said, son. He said, because I got in trouble not long after I took one of it, but that's another story. So I don't want to burden you with 
serious contemplative things at this hour. Yes, folks, it's March time. It's time to get up and straighten out your kneecaps. It's time to pull in your gut. It's time for marches. March around your television set now. March around your stereo set there, around your AR speakers. Yes, it's March time. Come on, let's go, March. Bring it up there, please. March time. Come on, let them feet go up and down. After all, you can really break your lease now. Really, thump them feet. Let's go. Boom, 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 and so tonight's program has been a special salute to that poor little misunderstood creature, the guinea pig. As for those of you who have grown to love and admire, to appreciate and to honor the true meek of the earth, the guinea pig, tonight's program has been a salute to the guinea pig. I once met a great guinea pig named Porter Wagner. And he just sat there and didn't do nothing but squeak and holler and eat lettuce. And by God, that's meek, friends. And that may be the meek that's going to inherit the earth. It may be the cockroaches and the guinea pigs. So tonight, as a special service, we have saluted George Plimpton. We have saluted uh, them little round things that you put on the liver pate. We have saluted the rain. We have saluted the cabs. We saluted an 18-pound fish who once chased me 400 feet up the yard there, beat my boat in before he did it. And we've also saluted the lowly guinea pig who may outlast all of us. So good night, Crocker Wagner, wherever you are. Or is it Porter Wagner? Or P.K. Wrigley? It's kind of hard to remember at this time. after. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir, this is WOR New York. We have Lester Smith and the news coming up.